we are back. Hi, Marissa. Hi, Carolyn. Happy well, Monday, guys. Happy Monday. We're welcome back to Wellness Wake Up. We are back for a 10-episode clicky season. And we're so excited to bring you guys a whole lot of new information, answer your questions. And it's just going to be us this time, like the good old days. We had so much fun interviewing lots of great people last season. And we want to just really chat about everything nutrition, everything wellness this season. And so they're going to be back to our 30-minute quick take us for a walk episodes. Yes. So thank you guys for bearing with us and giving us a break. And we appreciate all of you that have reached out and asked us when this is coming back, because that really feels nice to hear that you really enjoyed it. So we're back today and we'll be here for the next 10 weeks. And today's episode, I think is something that you guys have definitely probably talked about or thought about or heard a lot about and been like, what the heck is it? But we figured if we were going to come back for season three, it was about time we actually talk about Ozempic. But before mm-hmm. we go into that, we'll start with our magic moments as always. So if you guys don't remember, a magic moment is just something from the past week that really made you smile. And it could be something as small as like the sunset was really pretty on your walk home to work or a bigger moment with friends or family. So do you want to start? Sure. Oh my gosh, I haven't thought about this in a while. <laughs> Although I do try to like walk through my days with a little bit of that since we last have yeah. been together. But I, this past weekend, got to go. I have a some friends here who are like in the wellness space, but a little more on the hippy dippy side of things. And so they do tea ceremonies on Sunday mornings. Mm. And so it's kind of like a tea meditation where you're in silent for three bowls worth of tea. You're sitting in this beautiful, like sun drenched room in the mountains. And it's like stepping into just someone else's life. for me. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and then you talk about it, deep conversations, and it's just a beautiful so simple and like profound experience every time I've gotten to do this. So that was definitely a highlight this past weekend and something that is just so different from my general go, go, go. And it like can be, you can do that at home too. It can be as simple as like sitting in silence with a cup of tea and seeing what comes up. So I love that. I feel like your Colorado life has really changed the way you view wellness. And I think we can all learn a lot from that as I sit here in New York City. Tell me about your magic moment. So I was actually home this past weekend in Chicago and I had two magic moments. So one was I just spent all day Friday with my nephew, Jack, who's Mm. like the cutest thing in the entire world. So delicious. In general is a magic moment. And then on Saturday, I was actually home because it was one of like my oldest friend or actually is my oldest friend. We've been friends since we were two and it was her baby shower. So I was really special and really, really nice. So it was a magic weekend. weekend Yeah, that is so sweet. It's so cool to see your oldest friends go through such big life changes too. Awesome. Amazing. Okay. So let's jump into the topic of the day, which is Ozempic. We have been asked by tons of clients, even in our like very holistic practices, people are really curious about it, getting asked about it on Instagram. There are now ads in the New York City subways for it. Celebrities like Chelsea Handler making tons of jokes about it. I was even hearing that the Oscars were jokingly sponsored by Ozempic. And it's very concerning (laughs) when you see people look significantly different. And we'll talk a little bit about that as we go through today as well. I've had friends start it. I've, I've had clients start it and report extremely bad reactions to it. It is thousands of dollars out of pocket per month. So we're going to talk today about, is it worth it? Should you be curious about this? What can you do if weight loss is a goal of yours? So Marissa, please break it down. Okay. So we knew it was time to address this and let's start with actually understanding what Ozempic is. So Ozempic, aka semiglutide, is a medication that works to lower blood sugar levels and actually regulates our insulin, which is why this drug was originally created for diabetics. 
That is actually really important to note and understand here. This drug was not developed for weight loss, but rather to help diabetics better manage their blood sugar control. Weight loss started to be noticed as a side effect of this. So diabetics were put on it and practitioners started to notice that people were losing weight on it, which kind of created this curiosity, I guess, around it. So at the moment, Ozempic is actually only approved by the FDA for diabetes, not weight management. Now there is another drug, Wegovy, which you might've heard about, which is also the same thing, semiglutide, and that one is approved for weight loss. So it gets a little bit confusing here, but I do think it's important to highlight when we think about the way this drug works is it was intended for people who cannot manage their blood sugar on their own. It was not intended for, you know, a person who's looking to lose five to 10 pounds just because. It is a once weekly self-administered injection that comes in three different doses. And basically what it does is it works on imitating a hormone called glucagon-like peptide one that is naturally created actually in our intestines. I love giving Marissa all of the really hard things to say. (laughs) Between semaglutide, I didn't even actually know how to say that myself, and glucagon-like peptide one. But yeah, this GLP, we're going to call it GLP-1 is the key here. And GLP-1 affects weight by two different mechanisms. The first one is that it affects the hunger centers in your brain, specifically the hypothalamus, and it reduces hunger, appetite, and cravings. So you're less hungry. And then it also slows down the rate of stomach emptying and basically prolongs your fullness and satiety after meals. So it's sort of coming at it from both angles, making you less hungry and making you more full. And so the research does show that it works when it comes to weight loss and in big clinical trials sponsored by, of course, the companies who make this semiglutide. Basically, what they found was that when compared to a placebo, there was a significant amount of weight loss compared to, again, a group that just used lifestyle changes and a placebo in there. So the people who used Ozempic basically lost about 15% of their body weight compared to the other group with the placebo that was 2.4%. So 15% versus 2.4%, that is definitely significant and something to take into consideration. It's unclear what the specific lifestyle interventions in here were, but it's also important to note that the dose of this semaglutide in the study was higher than the dose provided by Ozempic. So that's definitely something, you know, it takes a lot of this medication to really support extreme weight loss. And you want to always take it by a grain of salt and look at who the study is sponsored by. And that study was sponsored by the company that creates Ozempic. So you always keep that in the back of your mind. But I don't really even think the question here is whether it works or not. It definitely does create weight loss. And I think you could agree with that, Carolyn, too. We've seen it in practice. You can see it at the Oscars. It is definitely making people lose weight. But the question becomes, and what we're going to get into in a moment, is like the at what cost concept. Mm -hmm. And is it worth it? Is it actually making us healthier? What's happening there? It's also super important to note that you're instructed to be on this drug for life. So you're basically starting a med that you will be on forever. And if you even think back to the new American Academy of Pediatric Guidelines Mm. for Childhood Obesity, they're even saying that kids as young as 12, I think it was, can now start it. And this is a new drug. It was first brought on the market, I think, in 2017. We do not know the long-term effects of something like this. And putting someone on something for life at that young of an age creates pause in my mind. Oh my gosh, beyond. That's like the absolute last last thing on the sort of list of things we would try. And you also got to keep in mind too, Big Pharma is going to be really happy if you're on a medication for the rest of your life. There's been a couple of different (laughs) podcasts out there that Marissa and I have listened to on this topic that really talk big time about the big pharma side of things. 
And we'll save our, our big firm rant for another episode, <laughs> but it's really concerning when anyone has to be on anything for the rest of their lives. And just again, looking for like a quick fix in here. And we do live in this quick fix culture, right? Which is so dangerous in the work that Carolyn and I do because we know we have success with clients when we get them off of that quick fix culture, when we get them into, think about your magic moment this week. It was that slow enjoying a cup of tea and like what Mm -hmm. that did for your day. And I think as a society, we're always looking for something like faster, the next thing, and let's just get this done so I can move on. But really when we think about your health, it's not a quick fix. I just had that quote pop in my mind that Abby said on our episode where she's like, wellness is not like the end game. It's like the vehicle to do all these Mm -hmm. other things. That and, stuck out to me so much also. Oh, I use it Abby's all the time. Court. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for that one, Abby. But let's get into our concerns a little bit more specifically. And one of our biggest concerns, and this is something we see as practitioners who have worked with people who have been put on this drug, obviously not by us. We are not doctors, but we've seen a lot of side effects. And the side effects we're hearing are really a lot of GI upset. I think that's what I've heard the most in my practice. So we talked about how GLP-1 keeps food essentially in your stomach longer. And what that does is it's creating this like unbelievable nausea and digestive upset. Some people I actually have like can't stomach eating anything on it. It can create vomiting, diarrhea. And then obviously any drug has more severe side effects. And this one has things like pancreatitis, vision changes. It can actually cause hypoglycemia, low blood sugar. Remember, it's meant to be used to manage blood sugar. And if you don't have a blood sugar problem, it could be creating even lower issues. There's some kidney problems noted, allergic reactions, gallbladder problems, and There's actually some thyroid stuff that we have seen kind of come out with this. Ozempic actually increased the rates of thyroid tumors and thyroid cancer in some animal studies. I was listening to a podcast where a doctor was on it who was an endocrinologist and talking about how people should be a little bit more weary if they have any thyroid stuff, making sure that you want to check in on some of that. There's obviously Ozempic face, which is a little bit more (laughs) of a vain one that I think New York Times had that article. Mm -hmm. Um, Really the biggest thing, there's no like crazy changes. It's more like having fat in your face makes you youthful. When you Mm -hmm. lose the fat in your face, like that's fillers are literally re-injecting fat Mm -hmm. in your face. So when people are losing weight so quickly, it's just creating a lot of drainage from their face. And that's kind of what they're talking about there. And then I think Carolyn, you're going to echo this so hard. The biggest thing we see is what happens when you go off. Mm -hmm. I've had so many clients who can't tolerate being on it because the GI upset is just too big. And when they go off, all of a sudden that crutch isn't there anymore. And it can cause like kind of what happens when you go off a really big fad diet, right? It's not Mm -hmm. only that you gain that weight back, but you usually end up gaining more. And then we see a lot of dysregulation left behind, hormone, gut health, stress issues that were actually never touched on because we were using this other thing. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Rebound weight gain is a huge problem for any fad diet, but especially I think in in a case like this, that's pretty extreme weight loss in a short amount of time. And not to mention too, you know, if you're nauseous and vomiting and have diarrhea all the time, you're also not absorbing certain nutrients. So over time, that is going to lead that malabsorption is going to lead to certain deficiencies that make you, you know, we don't just want to be thin for thin sake. We also, we want to have that glow of feeling actually of being actual true picture of health. And so that's definitely something that's concerning about this, the rapid rate of weight loss as well. So lots and lots of considerations. And the truth is we don't know about the long-term side effects just yet. And as Marissa mentioned, you know, putting young kids on it, hopefully that's like very not on anyone's to-do list who's listening here, but that's really scary. People who are growing haven't even gone through puberty yet. 
And we want to really be looking at like the root cause of this. And as practitioners who've helped thousands of people get healthy and lose weight without this drug or its side effects, it's definitely disheartening and also so American to want to skip all the steps mm, so uh, and just like jump. <laughs> it's the most American thing ever. And that's actually something too, like, you know, this has been woven through this conversation already, but like we practice slow nutrition and Unfortunately, it's not sexy. People want a quick fix. They want a fast result, but there's no longevity in that. And so I think really keeping that in mind too, of like, do you just want to lose weight or do you want to actually have a healthy, long, well-lived life? And I think one thing that it's missing in this is that losing weight doesn't solve everything else for you. And that's this Mm. false narrative that like diet culture has given us, right? Like once I lose the weight, I'm going to be more confident and I'm going to date more and I'm going to be happier and everything's going to fall into place. But that's not the case. And Carolyn and I know this because we've done this with so many people. If you not do not do the work on your head too at the same time and find a healthier relationship with your body, find a healthier relationship with the way you view food and manage your stress and sleep and all those things, you're not going to create this like long lasting, healthier approach. And when we look at a quick fix, we miss out on all that other stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Got to work on what's in your head too. And if you guys are curious, we can point you back to some old episodes. We have a bunch of episodes on body image. If you're sort of like, where do I even start with the headpiece? Go back and listen to, I think it's in our first season, our first episode on body image. It's our most popular episode to date and it's full of so much good intel. But to like sort of circle back to what do we actually recommend then if you are curious about weight loss? I guess we can point you to another <laughs> old uh, wellness wake up episode in season one. We do have a full weight loss episode. So if you're curious, go back and listen there. But to sort of circle it back to specifically Ozempic and that GLP-1 that is responsible for the weight loss, you can actually activate that via food and some movement and things like that too. So we're looking at high protein foods, they actually increase GLP-1 levels. You also maybe want to consider taking probiotics. Some research suggests that probiotics can increase those GLP levels as well. Meal sequencing is a cool one. And it's one that we've talked about a little bit when it comes to blood sugar control, but specifically having protein and fat and veggies before the carbs at the meal. So doing like the fish and chicken and veggies drizzled with olive oil before having the sweet potato at a meal would also help the secretion of that GLP-1. Fiber, super, super important, making sure you're getting at least 25 grams of fiber per day for production of GLP and then healthy fats too. So not so different from all of the things that we're typically recommending here, but just really prioritizing those things is at the base of health and at the base of getting to a healthy body weight for your body. Something Marissa and I do talk about a lot too is like generally a healthy weight is a side effect of putting all of these health behaviors into action. So it doesn't have to be about overhauling your life or even focusing so much on the weight. That's something that I have a lot of clients do is like, let's not focus on the weight for a minute and see what happens. Because when we're focusing actually on the behaviors that just make you feel good, by Mm. default, our bodies tend to get to a healthy weight range. I can't emphasize that enough. And that as practitioners, we have to have these hard conversations sometimes with people. But if it takes extreme restriction, cutting out food groups, measuring every single thing you're eating to maintain or get to a certain weight, that's not probably Mm -hmm. your body. And I think what also scares me about Ozempic is that it's promoting this kind of like one size ideal again. Mm -hmm. And we've done all this work to get further away from that. And we'll talk about that in a second. But you know, a healthy weight is a weight that you can live at and that Mm -hmm. it actually shouldn't be that hard. You know, it should feel natural. It means listening to your hunger and stopping when you're full. 
and really going off of, well, how do good foods make me feel? How does this make me feel? And using that feeling to kind of keep fueling you. So Carolyn kind of mentioned all those things that are good for your GLP-1 production, but there are also some things that are not so helpful for GLP-1 production. And if I would sum it up in one thing, it would be the standard American diet, <laughs> aka SAD. So diets that are really high in refined carbs. So things like, you know, candy and soda and regular kind of pastas or pizzas that don't have any fiber in them, you know, carbs from whole foods don't actually cause blood sugar problems mm -hmm. in healthy people. You know, things like potatoes that have fiber in them or whole grain breads, those really aren't the problem. It's more of those refined carbs that we see as the issue. Chronic stress is another one that can actually create issues with GLP-1 production. That's because chronic stress actually raises our blood sugar. Sleep deprivation, we, I think we had a whole episode on the non-nutrition side of wellness. And we keep plugging old episodes. There's a lot of good content here. But in that episode, we talk a lot about how sleep can actually affect not only your eating decisions the next day, right? When you're tired, what do you go for? But it also can actually affect your hormone production and how your body metabolizes things. Mm -hmm. And being totally sedentary is not great for our blood sugar control. Actually moving after a meal can be good for how we handle things. Yeah. So although this conversation might make it seem like we're totally anti-Ozempic, I want to highlight that we all have body autonomy, which means we have the right to make decisions that are best for us individually. However, for us, the way we view a drug like Ozempic is its last case scenario when it comes to the weight stuff. You know, if you are a diabetic and this is indicated for you, 100%. But if weight is really the behavior that you're looking at, we need to start focusing on behaviors first and see how you do. You know, and what I really can't stand about this is I feel like it's taking us so many years back where we're starting to equate thinness with health again. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like there's been this whole movement to separate the two and to celebrate the fact that our bodies look different and you can't just see health in one sort of ideal. And we do all have different bodies and living in a society that promotes this one ideal and using this drug, or I would say abusing this drug that's promoting that one ideal body type, I think is kind of dangerous. Yeah, I completely agree. And I also think it's dangerous how, from what I've heard from friends who've tried it, people think that they'll never be the one who will get the side effects mm. of things. And these side effects are really significant too. So actually paying attention to that too is something I would really, really suggest. These are not like small little things. And there are definitely are many people who have type 2 diabetes who Ozempic is for. And Marissa and I both practice what we would consider root cause wellness. So let's look at what's underneath something. And typically with excess weight gain, obesity, there are underlying factors. So our goal is to get to what those underlying factors are that made you gain the weight in the first place and not just place a Band-Aid on the problem. Because mm -hmm. those issues are still going to be there even if you do, you know, many of them will still be there even if you do lose the weight or they'll come back again. So we want to look at what's going on thyroid-wise, what's going on gut health, what's going on with your hormones. And so not just sort of skipping over those and again, like putting a big Band-Aid on something. Pairing this in terms of the Band-Aid, like the way we used to look at weight loss surgery, mm -hmm. like, you know, so many people could get it and anyone could do it. But when we look at the studies and like the long-term effects of these things, it's not as useful as we once thought it was because it's mm -hmm. not actually addressing a lot of those underlying reasons why people gained weight in the first place. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, years from now, we look back at Ozempic and kind of see parallels yeah. between the two. Completely. And especially on that note with eating behaviors, that's a big thing with post-bariatric surgery issues yeah. is the be eating behaviors haven't changed. So if someone has a binge disorder, they're still probably going to binge, but it might look different. It might look more like maple syrup or, you know, that's, yeah. which may sound crazy to people listening, but that's not uncommon to get, you know, if someone's looking for that sugar high, they're going to get it no matter what. 
And so we want to get to the root of that and really heal some of these eating behaviors and heal some body image things as well. And that's what we both really love to do too, and love to work with people on and see the progress in that way. And progress can't always be reflected solely by the scale. And I think the question to ask yourself is why? Like mm-hmm. before I, we talk about that all the time, finding your why. And actually, even before you eat, eat something, asking yourself, why am I hungry? Am I stressed? Am I, what am I looking for? Like before you make this big kind of life change, ask yourself, like, what is really going on here? Why am I turning to this? What is my belief about it? You know, and especially if it's smaller weight loss that we're looking at, like five to 10 pounds, what do you actually believe would be different in those five to 10 mm-hmm. pounds and getting clear on that? And seeing, you know, if you could work with someone like one of us first and trying to heal some of that relationship with food and making sure that we're doing behaviors that support you feeling really good in your body. And then there, you know, maybe you look at something like this later. Although <laughs> maybe, maybe. It's not where we're leaning. <laughs> if you can tell. Let's talk for a second about the celebrity side of things, because there have been these sort of rumors if you follow is it like Demoy or if you follow not skinny but not fat there you know everybody's like joking about ozempic parties and celebrities mm-hmm. all doing it and pinpoint you know, like sort of showcasing what they used to look like and what they look like now the before and after pictures and of course we don't want you taking nutrition or medical advice from celebrities but what do you think Marissa about like commenting on even celebrities bodies or weight loss is like that adding this is sort of a new conversation to be having but like yeah. What do you think about commenting I on people's bodies sides. you don't even know? Yeah. I see two sides of things. I see this one side that like, yes, celebrities, there's so much that's like unattainable in their lives, maybe mm-hmm. compared to like a lot of our more, I don't know if average is the right word, <laughs> average <laughs> lives. I would take our average lives though over a lot yes. of that, I think. But, you know, there's so much about what goes on in a celebrity's life that feels so far away. And I think, you know, what we see of celebrities kind of creates our standard of beauty in so many ways, Mm because they're what we're constantly all looking at. So they do have this kind of like standard to uphold in the sense of like, you know, you should understand that you are socially responsible. Like a lot of young girls are looking at this and could be influenced by what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And I do think they have to have kind of that thing in mind. Like I think about, and we don't even need to get into this today because it's probably a longer conversation, (laughs) but like Taylor Swift's music video, do you remember that thing? She got kind of like reamed out by the community because she had like fat on something and it was yeah, the scale. Yeah. 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 And like, you know what? Yeah. Was it maybe like her way of saying like, okay, something was wrong with her, but she didn't understand the narrative. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other problem. Like, I think you do need to understand all narratives if you're going to be Mm -hmm. cast on this broad scale. But at the same time, they're just humans too. Yeah. And they have this pressure too. I want you to flip the script. And if a celebrity gained a ton of weight, none of us would sit here and say that it was actually okay to comment on. Mm -hmm. Right. So why is it our business to comment on their bodies? either way. Like, is that fair that we're actually like, you know, judging them for doing whatever it might be? I don't know if either side is right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think catching yourself when you go to be critical about someone first and foremost, that's been a practice for me for sure, because I think it's pretty new, probably more in your generation, Marissa. It's like, (laughs) we are are like 10 years apart here. So of like people being aware of that, of how problematic that was. Like I grew up with that of people commenting on your body left and right. And so it's taken a lot of undoing for me to like, you know, and especially if I know someone's been working on it too, then in that case, I think it's actually, I, my personal opinion is it's okay. If a client's been working on that, like you're allowed to say you look great. 
And also, does that get problematic? And does that reinforce, you know, body image stuff or that someone's self-worth is intertwined with how they look? Absolutely. And so completely agree with you. Never like celebrities have it pretty difficult when it comes to body image stuff, because mm. especially if it's like that higher tier of like paparazzi following them around or anything, like trying to take, you know, different angles of their body. Like nobody looks great in every photo. And I get it in that situation. And we're going to see the aftermath in the next couple of years too. I think we're going to see, you know, the side effects and people don't want to be on medication or getting like giving themselves shots every day for the rest of their lives. So it's super interesting, but just being aware of like where your head goes when you see someone's body change, I think Mm. is more what I would suggest starting with of just like, do you get critical or do you get like, curious what they've been up to? Or are you looking in people magazine of what they eat in a day? Kind of. Oh my God. I remember reading like in us weekly growing up, like my mom would get those magazines and it was like what Jennifer Aniston eats in a day. And like, we grew up with this narrative that, okay, if we match that, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. suddenly I'm going to look like Jennifer Aniston. Totally. <laughs> that's just not the case. Also, like, I love that you're reading that in high school. Like, I want to look, look like Jennifer <laughs> right. Aniston. Like, like, it's also crazy when we zoom out a little bit. There's so much. And one thing I have clients practice all the time that I literally practice and I say it to myself, when you see someone on the street or you see a friend or this or that, or like someone that you really don't know that much about, and you kind of create this narrative about them, practice reminding yourself that you don't know their story. Mm -hmm. So when you see another woman's body, and I'm saying women, because that tends to be where our heads go, but you know, it could be applied to any gender. Mm -hmm. You see a woman's body and you think, oh, she must do X, Y, Z, or oh, this or that. Practice reminding yourself that you don't know her story. I always say to clients, like, I'm probably the closest person that knows anything with their food story. Mm -hmm. And I know what they share with me. But the truth is, like, you don't know anyone else's story. If you see someone on the street and you might even have a thought of, oh, she must be anorexic or something. You have no idea what's going on with her. Mm -hmm. She could be struggling with an eating disorder, but she also could have had major Crohn's and been struggling with digestion and not be absorbing things. She could have just gone through a huge loss in her life and just lost a ton of weight. That just could be her God-given body. And I think we're kind of in this point in society where we think it's okay, or we know it's not okay to comment on if someone's in a larger body, but people kind of feel like it's okay to comment if someone loses weight or if someone's weight is lower. Mm -hmm. And that's not cool either. Like it goes both ways. And I think like that's something to remember. And yes, celebrities, I do think need to be conscious and transparent. I think that transparency is really huge because, you know, you shouldn't, you know, lose 30 pounds in two weeks and act like, oh, you know, I just did whatever. Cause that's going to make mm-hmm. other people feel really bad. If you got help, it's nice for people to know, yeah. but is it their own business? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I mean, I'm curious, like, especially with Kim Kardashian is who you just made me think of that. She yeah. went on like a crazy diet and, and perhaps Ozempic as well for that Met Gala dress last year. And the way that she came out and sort of bragged about how little she had eaten mm. to me is like even more problematic than losing Talk about being tone deaf place. and like not realizing yeah. how her words fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah, I think that's, but then that, on the flip side to like stick up for Kim in a little bit, think about who's had more scrutiny on their body. Probably no one. No she one gained ever. weight during pregnancy and no one could shut up about it. And like people are horrible. So do you really blame her for, you know, no. wanting to figure out this ideal? I don't know if there's a right answer. Yeah, honestly, I, I definitely see it both ways. And also think with a great platform comes great responsibility. And so definitely filtering a little bit at a minimum to make sure that you're not, you know, putting dangerous ideas in other people's heads. 
One thing I'll end this on, Dana Mercer, I know you follow her on Mm -hmm. Instagram too. She just posted something about how in France, they're toying with a new law that if you're an influencer and you edit your photo in any way, so you use Facetune, whether on your face or your body, and you don't disclose that in the picture, that you would be like possibly kicked off social media or like largely fined. And I think that's such an interesting, I don't know if that will work, but I cut my head kind of went there, like with the transparency of things, like maybe that's some of what the issue is, is that things aren't as transparent. Oh, completely. And just to totally cap this up, like even the people on the cover of a magazine don't look how they look on the cover of the magazine. Mm. So just also having a moment of like chewing up with yourself about what is real, what is realistic. And also like loving the body you're in and you're allowed to have goals too. Yeah. Yeah. So we end this on, there is no right answer when it comes to celebrities, but I think being curious with yourself on what does that mean for you? What are you judging in someone else? And reminding yourself that you don't know the full story. Our brain likes to create the rest of the story when we don't have it. Mm-hmm. And last, last thing is like <laughs> all of those people, can, like from our from some of my minor interactions, like all of those people are way more insecure than you would ever think. Well, so... I actually think that's a great place to end it, that weight loss does not equal more security, security and uh-huh. happiness. And everything is not your looks. And maybe we got to do some of that internal work a little bit. (laughs) Completely, completely. That is where it's at. So in conclusion around Ozempic, it's definitely, you know, it does lead to weight loss, but it is also definitely a temporary band-aid for weight loss and also for public health, getting healthier in that way too. And we really do need to be addressing more of the root causes of what's causing weight gain and obesity in our culture. And there's just systemic problems that our government's not addressing. And there was a great Ozempic conversation that Carolyn shared with me that we both listened to on the Barry Weiss podcast that I would Mm. recommend everyone go to. It was honestly by Barry Weiss and three different public health doctor people kind of talk about what's going on here. And I think it can really open your eyes. It does like raise your blood pressure a whole lot though. So just to take it for a while. (laughs) Perfect. I had to like take it in two doses because when they're talking about like giving these medications to teens and some people are even on the defensive side of that is just really interesting, but also goes to show there is a time and place for certain measures to be made. And we don't always have to all agree. It really comes down to you doing what's the best for you. And we trust you to make that decision for yourself. That is where we are going to end it today. Thank Mm -hmm. you guys for being here and listening. And we are so excited to be back. And please share with us if you have any episodes that you want to hear in our next 10 episodes. We are open to suggestions. And as always, like, share, subscribe, comment, do all of the podcasty things. And thanks for listening. Ah, it's so good to be back. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) 